Usually we have a lot of fun on this podcast. We talk about my favorite things, my favorite movies, music. We've been talking about Halloween, October favorites, traditions. We've been doing Q&A. Everything has been very fun. And this is Happy Thoughts. And so obviously the goal is to be positive and... That's why I started this in the first place was to focus on positive vibes. But also, now that we're in season two, sort of, <laughs> of the podcast, I wanted to focus even more this season on talking about just whatever I wanted. I wanted to talk about exactly what I wanted to talk about, regardless of what it was, who I thought would be interested, and if it was positive or if it was not positive. Now, what we're going to talk about today is not necessarily not positive, but it is <laughs> more serious than I usually get on this silly little <laughs> this silly little thing. So, um, it's definitely more serious. It's not very serious still, but like, we went from oh my God, I love scary movies to this. And it's like, oh, okay. So we're just like, you know, we're, we're doing something a little more real, you know, like that's all fun and games and great and perfect. But like, now I just want to talk about some real life stuff. And again, it's nothing too crazy, but I just have been in a mood recently in real life. You know, we've been having a lot of fun on the podcast, but I have not been having the most fun in real life. And so I've been in my thinking era I've been in my reflection era and I'm trying to figure some things out and clear my head and get refocused. And so I've been thinking about a lot of different things. And I just wanted to talk today about something I have been thinking about recently and something I've been thinking about for months off and on. And that is obsession. No, not my song obsessive. Although, <laughs> you know, I have been thinking about this topic for a long time, obviously, because that song is all about obsession. And we're going to deep dive today into obsession and what I think that means and how it plays into my generation and blah, 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 blah. But um, I feel like everyone has obsessions. Everyone has their hyperfixations, their special interests, their bias. That could be considered what I'm talking about. Uh, and then also people say like guilty pleasure, you know, like they have their guilty pleasure show, their guilty pleasure book, their guilty pleasure media. And to me thinking about like, what does that mean? It sort of gives like something, you know, for whatever reason, it could be a, a million different reasons. Something you know that you shouldn't be that into, but you are. And so that totally is going to hit the nail on the head of what I'm going to talk about today. Obsessions are different kinds of obsessions. And my obsession with obsession. But before we dive in, I actually <laughs> I actually do want to talk about something fun and fresh and silly goofy. Um... Because something so important is happening, and I have to rant about it for a second. This is a time-sensitive issue. I need you all to get involved, get on board. By the time you're listening to this, the greatest K-pop band 
almost of all time will be releasing their new album and that is red velvet the album is chill kill and i need to see y'all streaming so obviously if you know me k-pop has been a part of my life for quite a long time quite a long time probably i guess i'm 23 almost 24 i'll be 24 in a few weeks which is uh, there's gonna be a catastrophic podcast episode about my birthday surely but anyway um anyway so i've been into k-pop since i was like 12 okay my best friend from ohio isabella they got me into k-pop when i was 12 because i had moved away obviously i live in texas now they still live in ohio I had moved away and they got super into K-pop while I was gone. So I came back and visited and Bella was like, okay, but you have to get into this. <laughs> so I did, I did get into it. And at the time, like in the beginning, I didn't have enough of a personality or like taste level to really like care what I was into. If I'm being genuine, if I'm being honest. And so I just kind of like consumed like whatever was like interesting and whatnot. And I still had some like, things I liked and didn't like, but like, I wasn't very caught up in like, Oh, this is my opinion on this. And I really like this. And I don't like this. It was very like mellow, you know, I was 12. Um, but since Isabella was showing me K-pop and since we didn't live in the same state, I listened to K-pop a lot because Isabella would send me recommendations and it would be like, Oh, you know, like even from far away, we're still kind of connected and we're still, like, we had something to talk about and get excited about, and it just kept us grounded in our friendship. So, K-pop was a huge thing. And then it became more of a, like, oh, I actually do really like this. And I don't know, like, if that was, if that would have ever happened without Isabella's help. But it definitely wouldn't have happened as early as it did in my life. Because by 14, I was fully invested in K-pop. I was all the way dialed in, clocked in. It was my thing. And all of you bitches, <laughs> all of you used to ridicule me all the time. I cannot express how much playful, quote unquote, playful bullying I got from my friends, quote unquote, because they would be like, this is ridiculous. Like, what are they saying? You don't even know what they're saying. Like, they could be saying, like, everyone's going to hell. We hate Jesus, Satan, praise Satan. I was like, okay, first of all, that's racist because if you actually think that's what they're saying, hi, like what? But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. But regardless, um, I just got bullied all the time because of K-pop. And I was always like, you guys are missing out. You don't know what you're missing. Like, this is amazing. Everyone's going to be super into this in a few years. And y'all are going to look back and be like, wow, Ethan was ahead of the curve. Hmm, flash forward, what's going on now? Oh, everyone's obsessed with K-pop. Right, right. So add that to the list of the things I was correct about. Um, I'll take my check now, the K-pop industry. Thank you. No, but anyway, in all seriousness, I was obsessed with K-pop from like 2014 to 2019, okay? Like full on obsessed. I didn't even know American pop culture. I only knew Korean pop culture, like bad. And... Now, K-pop is very mainstream, very, very mainstream, and it's kind of garbage. It's not complete garbage, but it's, like, way harder to find K-pop groups that are actually good 
and not just an American sellout. All the K-pop has been extremely modernized, extremely Americanized to try and appeal to mass audiences. And it's worked, unfortunately. But what we lost was the pure sound and vibe of original k-pop the golden era of k-pop which was when i was into it so y'all every time everyone's like oh my god i love k-pop and i'm like yeah you just started listening recently didn't you and they're like yeah and i'm like you missed it you missed it the best time to like k-pop already happened years ago but anyway this band red velvet that is releasing a new album they are a standout and the reason is they debuted in 2014 okay so forever ago and they're still active they're still active they're still very active they release like an album or an ep every like one and a half years they're incredible um and not only have they been around for so long but here's here's the ages Here's the ages we're working with. There's five members. The youngest member, Yuri, is 24. Okay. Not that crazy, but it's still like for K-pop, that's a little, that's a little old. It's like getting, you're getting to your expiration date a little bit. The oldest member, Irene, is 32. 32. Which this is not a big deal in literally any other music industry. But in the K-pop music industry, 32 is ancient. Literally, girls turn like 26 and then their label is like, you can't be in the group anymore. You're too old. Like that, I'm like being dead serious. That happens all the time. It happens all the time. It happens earlier than 26. Like they'd be throwing these girls away as soon as they start to have double digits in their name. They're like, you're nine hired. I'm, I'm like being dead serious. Baby Metal, they were 13 when they debuted. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so the fact that Red Velvet is still around is amazing. And it's incredible. And it's also incredible because partially of how they've been able to like stay around is they matured their sound. Like they kind of are serving now like queen energy. They used to be serving like, you know girl next door energy now they're serving diva like they're they let their sound mature and evolve in a way that it kept up with their age and i feel like that's the secret to them having the longevity that they've had and it's like yeah that's not revolutionary everyone does that but it is revolutionary to see a k-pop group doing that because it is rare it is rare that a group can last this long um, so they're releasing their new album. It looks amazing. The rollout has been super fun. I'm so obsessed. Um, but I have some fear. <laughs> I have some fear because they are so old. They have been around so long. They probably have broken the record for like longest active K-pop girl group. I, I don't know if that's true, but I'm willing to bet that it is because if they're going on 10 years, that is unheard of. But I'm getting scared because... It is so rare that they would still exist this long. And usually in the K-pop industry, we don't really get any goodbyes. We don't get closure <laughs> when it comes to a group. Usually there just comes a point when they release an album and then suddenly it's like, oh, uh, actually they disbanded. Like just randomly. Like you just hear about it on Twitter and you're like, 
Oh, okay. So we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. They just released an album that was like totally normal. And then it's like, oh, and then you'll never hear from them again. So that happens. Or more tragically, but I mean, it happens a lot. A group releases an album. They're active. They're doing great. And then, oh no, someone dies because the K-pop industry is toxic and terrible. So then someone dies and then the band is like, well, do we continue? Usually no. So then it's like, okay, well, they're done. Or someone leaves the group, whatever, they try and reconcile. It's just like, usually in the K-pop industry, you do not get to say a goodbye to these groups. And Red Velvet is staying strong. They're doing good. You know, I at, at this point, I don't see anyone tragically dying, <laughs> fingers crossed. Because they have been around so long, I feel like all the girls are probably used to what's going on. They've probably renegotiated their contracts a couple times. So their treatment hopefully is like a little bit better than when they started. The K-pop industry has evolved in that way a little bit. Um, so I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. But the looming like, is this their last album? Because maybe they're just going to get like disbanded or canceled by their big label. Like that could happen. It just is like getting to the point where I'm like, they're so old. At any moment, this could be the last thing they get we get from them. So... I'm very excited from this album, but I'm also scared that they're going to drop it and then that's going to be it. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I mean, I guess that's true about every, like, that's true about like every music industry, but especially with K-pop, I feel like people just set it like all of a sudden it's like, it's over with literally my favorite K-pop band of all time. They never disbanded officially. They had like six albums and they like rose to massive success in the k-pop industry and then one of their members died and they actually reformed without the other member and it was totally fine but then they just never released anything else like their last release was in 2015 and so they never disbanded like they're still a group but they also don't do anything so so they're done like we're never gonna see anything from them again i guarantee but it's like that's the kind of thing i'm talking about is like we never get closure so i hope that when red velvet does come to an end where like we get some kind of goodbye from them because they have been the longest standing beacon of hope for the k-pop industry and the only ones keeping the original sound the original sound alive and i love them so stream the new album anyway back on track back to the topic at hand obsession which obviously hi i'm obsessed with red velvet right now like that's you know what anyway it's all related <laughs> if i'm talking about it on the podcast i have a level of obsession with it so anyway like i said before i think everyone has their obsessions and what i mean by that is like that thing or it can be multiple things and it obviously changes all the time but it's like a thing that you have a special attachment to you know you could be a horse girl <laughs> you could be a horse girl maybe you're attached to like a video game maybe there's a certain artist that you have like this weird attachment to harry styles girls i'm looking at you no just kidding um but i think you understand what i'm saying everyone i think everyone has a certain obsession fixation, whatever. And it could be a lot of different things. Even makeup is a lot of people's obsessions. Obviously that 
industry is so huge and there's so many YouTubers in the makeup space. It's like makeup is an obsession, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So everyone has, everyone has them, I think, and they can look many different ways. Also, I want to give a disclaimer. I, wow, I just love disclaimers. <laughs> I'd be giving a disclaimer at every episode. But anyway, my disclaimer for this episode is that I'm really just going to stream of consciousness and like talk about things that I've been thinking about. There's not really much of a conclusion. There's not really like an answer. There's not like, I'm not going to leave you with any like, anyway, now that we know that, here's how we improve. I'm really just going to be like, all right, here's what I'm thinking about. Like, whatever, take it or leave it. Um, so feel free to send me your thoughts on it when we're done. But um, that's what you're getting into. That's what you're getting into today. So I've been thinking about obsession a lot recently. And obviously, I'm a very obsessive person. Like, as a little kid, I already talked about I was obsessed with K-pop. I went through a phase where I was obsessed with Harry Potter and I would get all of the wands and the merchandise and play outside, like play pretend with the wands and whatever. And then like Pokemon, that's a huge obsession that I had. I had the cards, I had the video games, I had t-shirts, I had stuff in my room. I even would draw and design and make fake Pokemon and like worlds and their powers and like their... like. I was obsessed. I was fully obsessed. And anyway, so I was very obsessive growing up and I still think I'm very obsessive. And our generation, my generation, I said our, like everyone is the same age as me listening, which I know you're not. Some of you are old. <laughs> anyway, um, so my generation, I feel is specifically very obsessive. I mean, literally, we say I'm in my blank era all the time, which I wish we would stop. But also, I still also say it. So, hypocrite. But everyone says we're in our whatever era. Hi. If you look into that, it means they're obsessed with something. Guaranteed. Um, we, a lot of people, when some movie or game or music is announced, people, like, their go-to thing to say is like I'm sorry I apologize for the person that I will become when this is released and that is huge and that is exactly what I'm talking about is like we have obsessions that start to influence how we act and who we are and our obsessions start to like consume us in a way that is so interesting to me. Like literally we're saying, I'm sorry for the way that I'm going to act when this comes out. And it's because they are predicting, like when you say that you're predicting that the movie, the music, whatever it is, is going to, you're going to like it so much that you're going to start talking about it all the time and emotionally reflecting the album or the movie. So that's what I want to dive into a little bit. And I've got plenty of things to say about it. And I've actually got plenty of movies that I could reference. I've picked only a few, but I think I'm going to do an episode like my favorite movies about obsession because a lot of my favorite movies. And yeah, so let me hang on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Thinking about all the different obsessions, everyone has different obsessions. They change all the time. But I think probably also a lot of us have a core one that we sticks around and I've come to realize recently 
that my core obsession, my main fixation is actually obsession. (laughs) So I'm obsessed with obsession. Check me into a mental institution. (laughs) No, that sound, I like said that out loud and I was like, that sounds actually insane. But like, I don't, (laughs) I don't think it's that crazy because it's not like, I just like, that's like what I love. I love stories and I love media and I love things related to obsession and being obsessed. And I think it plays back to, I am such an obsessive person that I probably get some like, you know, it hits home for me because I'm like, yeah, that's me coded. Like that's me coded. Um, but anyway, to break that down a little bit more, I, like I said, I want to do a favorite movies about obsession because I realized throughout the years and especially recently that I like movies about obsession more than the average person. And that became very apparent to me recently because I recently watched recently is a strong word within the last three years. I watched two movies that were very poorly received by the general public and I love them. And so I'm going to dive into them and talk about them and how they're related to this topic and also why I'm hyper fixated on them. And anyway, so the first one that I wanted to talk about, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before, is Last Night in Soho. This is a recent horror in quotes because it's really not that scary. Um, It's a recent horror film starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Well, she's not actually the star, but she's the star in my eyes. (laughs) Um... Anya Taylor-Joy, and it also features um, Matt Smith of Doctor Who, which that's another obsession I had when I was growing up. We are not going to talk about that one. We're going to move right along. Um, But I don't remember the main actress's name, but she's amazing. Anyway, Last Night in Soho is about obsession. It's about a girl who the movie like hints at this, and this is one of the complaints people have because it's not very clear. This girl has a sort of telepathic connection to like energies left by other people. So it's almost like she can see ghosts in a way, but it's not necessarily like dead people. She's seeing like the linger, the lingering manifestations of like strong emotion. That's how I'm like sort of, that's how I view the movie. She can feel and sense and visualize and like hallucinate strong moments in other people's lives left behind by them. And so in the course of the movie, she moves to Soho in London slay. I've never been there, but I'd love to go, (laughs) but she moves to Soho for college and college. And she's always lived in the countryside. Um, And so she's very nervous because she's like, you know, she's aware of this, weird ability this weird thing that she has and she's worried that she's going to get overwhelmed by all the emotional presences and and what she's going to start seeing and long story short she moves into this apartment that's super old and immediately starts having these powerful and super clear super concise very detailed visions and dreams of this woman and the woman is on your taylor joy <laughs> and she is so good she is so good she is so good she's so gorgeous her costuming oh my gosh and the type of role that she's playing 
is just exactly what I wanted to see from her. And it's so good. I love her. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. Anyway, um, so she starts having visions of Anya Taylor-Joy. And Anya is a blonde. Also, it's in the past. It's in like the 60s, I think. Yeah, I think it's in the 1960s is when her visions are. She's in the modern day, but she's seeing the past like the 60s. So Anya Taylor-Joy is this really fashion forward, like iconic girly. She's a singer. She's trying to get established as a performer and she, you know, dresses super nice and she has this blonde hair and the main girl who has all the visions starts to get obsessed with the vision of this girl in the past and it starts to manifest itself in her own life. She starts to dress like Anya Taylor-Joy. She cuts her hair and dyes it to be blonde like Anya Taylor-Joy. She is a fashion student, so she starts recreating things that Anya Taylor-Joy wears in her dreams. And then she's drawing Anya Taylor-Joy's character into the sketches for her homework. She's researching her life. She's trying to figure out who she is. And it leads her down this whole like rabbit trail and blah, 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 blah. That's the movie. I'm not going to spoil it. But that's like the general gist of it. This girl is obsessed with this vision of this woman from the past, real or not. And it starts to inform her identity and who she becomes. Another two films that are kind of similar to this aspect of obsession is mean girls. I feel is it's not like a necessarily blatant focus is like obsession, but I feel that it is a very strong tone of it. That's just not explicitly talked about a lot in the movie, but that movie is about obsession. It's about, you know, Katie is obsessed with Regina. And so she becomes her, Hi, that's what's, that's what's happening. (laughs) Whether or not that's what Tina Fey, like, chose to describe it on IMDb, like, it's about mean girls in high school drama. It's like, well, yeah, but also it's about obsession. And so that's another movie that comes to mind. And then also slightly Devil Wears Prada, if you've seen that. Again, it's very, like, girl that's not fashion forward. And then suddenly she gets not obsessed, but she starts to care a lot about what these fashion girls think of her. And so then she becomes a fashion girl and upstages them all and slay. So also the second obsession that I have other than obsession is obviously fashion because these all three are about like fashion and beauty, which is so weird. But anyway, um, yeah, so those are all things that I think those are all movies that kind of highlight, but especially last night in Soho, they highlight the way our obsessions start to, define us and turn us into them we start to reflect our own obsessions and that's why I was saying like I loved this movie so much I love this movie and it does not have good reviews it does not have good reviews I've shown it to a bunch of people and they've been like yeah that was good it's not incredible but I'm like yeah this is like the best thing I've ever seen it's so amazing And I think the reason why is just because the storyline is so rooted in this crazy, toxic, unhealthy obsession. And that is just my obsession. (laughs) I'm obsessed with obsession. So I love this movie. 
Um, so I had already been aware that I was into obsession when I found this movie because of another movie. So before I watched Last Night in Soho, I watched a movie called The Neon Demon. And when I watched this movie, this is when I started to fully realize that this was an aspect of my personality. Because like by now when I'm talking about this, I'm like, I've been aware of this for so long. I work around it. I look for it. I make sure that I'm not dealing with my obsessions in an unhealthy way because I've done that a lot and I'm not letting my obsessions take over unless I'm okay with it you know because I think sometimes like what we're obsessed with allows us to access different parts of ourselves different aspects of our personality that maybe we didn't see before and it doesn't necessarily have to be like oh well you changed like something you know there's a fine line but I think there is a healthy level that looks like, oh, you, you know, saw something in a movie or felt something in a song and it's like you latch on to it and it's like, okay, well, it can kind of be like a moment, an era, like I said, and sometimes it's okay to have eras. Like, it's totally fine. So, but anyway, this is an unhealthy obsession, specifically when we're talking about this movie, The Neon Demon. And again, the movie is about obsession. Everyone in the movie is obsessed with something. But specifically, it's about Elle Fanning moves to L.A. to become a model. And she is very sweet, pure, innocent, beautiful girl at the beginning of the movie. And by the end, her obsession and specifically the way that she's obsessed with how other people are obsessed with her. It, it's a different, it's a different kind of thing than last night in Soho because Elle Fanning's character isn't necessarily the one that's obsessive. Everyone else is obsessed with her. So it's almost like their obsession somehow transforms her. Her being the fixation turns her into what they all think of her as. So <laughs> I'm guarantee everyone's listening being like, what are you actually talking about? So in this movie, she's very pure, innocent. She's learning to be a model. And then everyone in LA sees the potential she has to become the biggest modeling sensation of all time. They all see something in her that she, she sees it, but she's not like living like she's the most beautiful girl on the planet. She's very, you know, like I said, innocent, pure, kind of humble. She's a small girl. She doesn't play into being a big superstar. But everyone starts treating her like she is the most beautiful woman that's ever walked the earth. And so then throughout the movie, she starts to become the pinnacle of diva. And it's not because she's obsessed with becoming that. It's because... Everyone is so obsessed with her. So all that to say, <laughs> the movie is pretty old. It's from 2016. I watched it for the first time in 2021, which I'll go back to why that's relevant in a minute. But it's critically very unacclaimed. <laughs> it's all the reviews are pretty bad. It has like two star reviews. I'm pretty sure it's like, I don't know. It's probably like 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Very low. 
And I think that is insane because I don't think even if I wasn't obsessed with the concept, even if I didn't have a fixation about the concept, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> um, I think it's very interesting the way that the movie is made. It's very different. It's very unique. It's very avant-garde, which I love. But yeah, it's very hated and not hated, but it's not liked very well. But it has a cult following, a.k.a. me. And almost everyone that I've shown this movie to has not liked it. I've shown it to a couple people and they've all been like, this is weird. What is going on? I don't like this. It makes me uncomfortable or just it's boring. So I respect you, but you're wrong. But anyway, so thinking back to when I found this movie and I started obsessing over it, I was watching it multiple times a week. Like I'm being so serious. It was one of the strongest obsessions I've ever had. I was so fixated on this movie. I would listen to the soundtrack, which... The soundtrack is great, but like <laughs> if you watched the movie and listened to the soundtrack, you'd be like, oh, you just listened to this. Like, are you OK? <laughs> Which I was not OK, but we're going to go into that in a second. But I was so obsessed with this movie and everyone online hated it. Everyone that I showed it to really didn't like it. And so I was like, OK, there's there's something to be said here. Why am I who I usually think I have a pretty good taste when it comes to movies? Why am I so against an a opposing to this movie and how bad it has been received. And so that's when I realized like it's because of the themes of the movie. It's about obsession. My obsession is obsession. Take a shot. Every time I say that I've already said it so many times, I'm probably going to say it again anyway. Yeah. So it's like the topic is just my fixation. That's why I love it. And then there's like kind of a second layer as to why I get so obsessed. And it plays into the time at which I saw this movie for the first time. It was in 2021. I had just gone through devastating breakup. I was still going through it. Very, very real. Um, and I felt very unattractive. I felt very unwanted. I was in the dating pool for the first time in like two years and everyone that I liked did not like me back. Everyone that I was into and then they said they were into me ghosted me for no reason. Like I would ask them and they just all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, you're so great. I love talking to you. And then literally the next second it was like, mm, this is not, I'm like, okay, cool. Like we've all been there. I know we've all been there, but like it was that so many times 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 and 2021 was like I was like mm, cool no one will love me ever again I can't be loved I'm unattractive what like my personality just must be so horrible that I can never be boyfriend material I'm only just best friend material because that was what confusing too everyone's like can we still be friends like you're like so great to be around I'm like cool kiss me <laughs> like what like uh, I don't understand like why if I'm so great like what's going on so anyway not to delve into that we're not going to do that to you but I was in a place that was the place I was in when I saw this movie and so I latched onto it not only because it was about obsession which is my core fixation but also because the way the movie made me feel when I watched it because of Elle Fanning's character, 
was attractive. When I watched the movie, I was like, ooh, I am so slay, actually. When I listened to the soundtrack, I was like, ooh, I am the most beautiful thing. I am untouchable. I am diamond, which is really (laughs) interesting given how the movie ends. It's like kind of like, why did I let myself (laughs) get so attached to that? Because if I copy this movie, it will not end well for me. (laughs) Like, so I don't know. I'm not ready to go into that. I have no idea. But the point is, is I was so fixated on this movie that it started to transform who I was. And in a weird way, it kind of cured it kind of healed and there was still the healing came with a toxic twist but it cured my self-esteem issues following my breakup and it allowed me to see myself completely the opposite of how I had seen myself for so long And even though I had literally gone from I'm the ugliest person, no one can love me to quite literally being like, I am a god and everyone should love me. It was at the end of the day helpful because that was the most narcissistic that I've ever been in my life. And I'm glad that I'm not like that's not the era we're in anymore. I'm totally (laughs) we're good. (laughs) Like We're good. I acknowledge that that was not great either side but it was almost good for me to latch onto that and kind of become narcissistic narcissistic for a time because I was so destroyed about my personal self and so I kind of let my obsession with that movie create a psychosis And the psychosis was informed by the world of the movie. And this is a very strong example because I literally like, you know, and changed my entire view of myself to the opposite end of the spectrum because of this movie. But I think we all do this when we obsess about something. When we have an obsession, when we have a fixation, when we have a special interest, when we have something that we like a lot, a bias, a guilty pleasure, it does form a sort of psychosis, a very strange and unique psychosis that is informed by the world of that piece of fiction. And, you know, (laughs) those are a lot of strong words. And I don't think it's necessarily super bad all the time. Because again, like I was saying, it can kind of introduce us to new aspects of ourselves. And we can change up our style, we can change up our vibe, and that's totally fine. But it is a dangerous thing because I use the word psychosis intentionally in that if it goes unchecked by reality, it's so damaging. It's so damaging. And then when it does eventually break, when your psychosis shatters, if you have not been in control of it and aware that you're in a psychosis or that you're letting something affect your view so strongly that you're not, if you don't acknowledge that you're obsessed with something in a strong way, once that obsession breaks or once something breaks the psychosis, it's going to be even worse than before. And yeah. <laughs> um, this is why I was saying, like, I don't really have, like, a... I- I'm just kind of, like, saying things. I'm not a doctor. 
do not take any of this as advice or truth. Don't cite me in a paper, but this is just my thoughts. This is just what I've been thinking about. Um, but yeah, I think we all do this in ways and it's not always dangerous. It's not always bad, but it can be. And so that's like how I am now is I still get very obsessed with things. Obviously that hasn't changed, probably will never change, but I am very aware that I am obsessive. And still, when I see a trailer for a movie that has an aspect of it that's about obsession, I get excited because I'm like, oh, I know that that is going to be for me. And recently I read Bones and All, the book. I've talked about that before on the podcast. And that is so much about obsession. And it was one of the fastest books that I've read recently because I just was like, this is this is my thing. Like I was so interested. Also, Call Me By Your Name is one of my favorite movies of all time about obsession. And it's all these different aspects. And I can't wait to do another episode because I'm already getting excited. I'll talk about all that another time. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, to like sort of wrap it up, I definitely I'm aware of my obsession. I'm aware of my obsessive tendencies and it allows me to sort of, you know, self-assess and evaluate how they affect me. So it's totally fine now. And I like, I still play into my obsessions sometimes even more. Cause now I know that they're there. So I'm like, like be like, Oh, I'm so obsessed. Blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I'll play into it sometimes. And then sometimes I'll be like, this is like not a good idea. Um, but before I just was totally being controlled by that from a backseat perspective. And now I just am aware of it. And I've been thinking about that recently and not to get super deep, but like thinking about why, because a lot of people, you know, I feel like when we think about, oh, we have this like weird thing like this, not necessarily an issue always, but like this thing we have that we do, like, where is it coming from? Like, that's always the thing is like, why do we do this? Where is it coming from? We as humans want to explain everything. Well, I was thinking about that recently this week. Like, why am I so obsessed with obsession? Why do I love to see fictional characters hyperfixate and transform and usually crash because of their unhealthy obsessions. Well, I have a lot of abandonment issues. So I feel like obsession is why it is like, that's because I'm latching on to something so hard because I don't want it to go anywhere. When I like something, it's like, Oh, I'm obsessed. I'm latching onto that. That is mine. And it will not go anywhere. It will not abandon me. And so it like strangely comforts me to see other people in a movie being obsessive. And it's like strangely grounding when you obsess over something because you have something very clear that you can, you know, make decisions, make aesthetics, make choices about all kinds of stuff it's grounding it's a place you can land like right here this is my thing right now cool but it's like not real it's totally fiction which is crazy because it's like saying that something fictional can somehow ground you in like a reality insane absolutely crazy um but i think that's that's what i've been thinking about recently is the way my obsessions comfort me and ground me in a fictional reality 
and the way that I need to continue my endeavor to keep my obsessions in check and keep myself rooted in reality, not fiction. And I talked about literally so much. (laughs) I literally just ranted about so much and none of it probably made any sense to you. You probably don't care about any of it. You're probably not even listening to the sentence because you turned it off already. You probably clicked off, but if you didn't, thanks for listening to my little rant. Thanks for just (laughs) doing your laundry while I talk in your ear about craziness, but let me know what you think. Um, Let me know if you want to see if you want an episode about my favorite movies about obsession. You're probably going to get it either way because I'm obsessed. So if you were listening, I'm going to talk about it. Like, um, but anyway, that's all for now. Um, Thanks for being here. Listen to Red Velvet's new album. And that's all. I'm going to drink my matcha. It's raining. Go inside and get under a blanket. Bye.